Here it is, another episode of the Infinite Banter Podcast. Welcome in. My name is Mark Jolliffe, a.k.a. DJ Soundwave. Big show today. We're finally going to do the Halloween episode. But before we do that, like my man Karis One once said, here's a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Restaurant.com. With Restaurant.com, you can save at thousands of restaurants across the country with just a few clicks. Their dining deals range from $5 to $100, never expire, and cost you a fraction of the face value. Dinner has never been easier with Restaurant.com. Used for dine-in, takeout, or delivery, Restaurant.com is offering our listeners 50% off their next purchase by going to www.restaurant.com slash podcast. That's www. Dot restaurant.com slash podcast for 50% off your next purchase. Restaurant.com, the best deal every meal. So here we go, the Halloween episode of the Infinite Banter Podcast. This will be kind of like a best of because I'm going to be playing clips from four past guests that have been on this show, and they talk about things that have a horror vibe to them. You'll hear segments from interviews I did with Walking Dead actors Joshua Michael and Vincent Ward, also Michael Myers, one of my favorite MCs of all time. He came on here, and of course, he has a horror vibe to his lyrics. I got a chance to talk to him. We'll play a segment from him and a new remix of one of his older songs on his new remix album that just dropped. So we'll play that and go way back and talk to the one and only Tommy McLaughlin, director of Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Had a blast talking to him about a year ago. You're going to hear a little bit of, of that. Also going to play a couple other songs besides Michael Myers. My man DJ Real One did a couple of songs that have a real horror vibe to them. One with Dre Cobbs, Channel 7, Grime Time, and then Bars Are Crazy with Confucius and Ramsey's Ali. So a lot of Halloween vibes here. Wanted to put this episode out around Halloween, but things happened and, you know, we just got busy. And I really wanted to get that Mr. Hooper episode put out there because that was really important. And again, shout out to the one and only Mr. Hooper and then Music G joining us at the end of the interview. Uh, if you haven't heard it, please go back and listen to that episode. It's one of my proudest moments doing this podcast. A lot of good discussion on there about what's going on in the world today, especially when it comes to police brutality and the slaying of young black men and women in this country. I'll also talk about uh, Terrifier at the end. Alaska from a, a couple episodes ago brought it up. I did finally get the chance to watch it. I want to talk about that. I want to do kind of like a retro review of A Nightmare on Elm Street. It was a long time since I watched it and I saw it again. Got a couple thoughts, you know, nothing major, but I do want to kind of give like a retro review. And um, I'm not going to talk about the election, but I have a couple of horror parallels to throw in there about the election. I'll save that for the end for those of you who are so partisan. They don't want to hear any politics, bleh, whatever. At the end, I'm going to do a couple little parallels that tie it into horror. And uh, I think it'll be interesting. So, all right, that's it. Let's get going. Let's stop blabbering. No more banter. And let's get into the show. Find the show on all digital platforms. And you can follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Infinite Banter Podcast. Same for Instagram. And go on YouTube, type in Infinite Banter. You will find clips from past episodes and also links to find those episodes to listen to the whole show. Rate the show, do reviews, do all those things. Let me know you like it. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. But of course, as always, the show never begins until the one and only, the devastating Mike Controller himself, DMC, speaks these words. Yo, yo, what's up? This is me, DMC, the K-I-N-G, the greatest MC in history. And right now, you're listening to Infinite Banter, because we will banter on forever, because this is the only place for all of y'all to ever be. I be infinite banter.
All right, let's kick things off here on the Halloween H2O special of the Infinite Banter. First up is Michael Myers. I got a chance to talk to him earlier in the year. And, you know, one of my favorites, uh, that album 20 years ago now, it's a long time coming. Just one of my favorite hip-hop albums of all time. And it was a real honor to talk to him. And, of course, those of you who are fans of him or know about him, a lot of his lyrics have horror vibes themes to them. So right now we're going to play a song from his new remix album. It's been a long time coming, the 20th anniversary of it. Go cop it. It's on Bandcamp. I bought it. $7. You could buy a lot worse things for $7. Go get this right now. You'll hear different versions of songs, a couple of B-sides, just versions you haven't heard before. Definitely check it out. It's a different way of hearing that album if you're a fan of it like I am. So I hit up Michael Myers and I'm like, can I play something from it? And he, of course, gave me the blessing. So here we go. This is Don't Wanna from the remix album, Michael Myers, it's been a long time coming, 20-year anniversary. And then after this, you'll hear a segment of me and Michael Myers talking about how we got his idea for doing horror lyrics in his verses. And the Infinite Banter Podcast, Michael Myers, Don't Wanna, 20-year anniversary. Go to Bandcamp, check it out. It's the M-Y-K-I-L-L-M-I-E-R-S, he never fail. I be coming with some other and brothers get kind of envious. I be killing it and running. So what you want? You want a front? You're going to get it. Come on, man, you got to admit it. I'm coming with it. You feeling me? The killer's breeze and who am I? The one to be your MC is do or die. It's suicide in a battle of you and I. Mike Hill be killing it and you will die. I'm not impressed. You want to test? You not fresh. You not hot. You can't rock. You want to bet? So put your dough up and your up and your clothes up. You know what? The whole rap game is sold up. Slow up. You better hold your horses. Of course it's Hitchcock. Walk around with the fifth cop. I don't wanna I'm your ultimate challenger. This is your house tonight. I'm your I'm your ultimate challenger. You better be ready to fight. I'm, 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 I'm your ultimate challenger. You don't wanna Hot as hell, so hot it causes droughts. I'm on a route for mail. Then what make them see scared to have doubts and fail? Do a show, get the money, then I'm about to bail. Have MC shaking like the brick the scale. When I confront them, yo, they run quick as hell. Oh well, another rapper put to death. And his hype man get a damn foot in his chest. I'm putting the rest. All the lies you said about me. And all the foul things that I read about me. I know you still doubt me. I'm a bad boy, call me Mike Lowry. MCs try to overpower me, but I'm the cat that's known to kill for a salary. Still the same cat that makes whack of siege casualties. I'm still the same cat that kill punks for fun. Same cat that be leaving you stunned. Uh. You don't wanna I'm your ultimate challenger. If it's your house tonight. I'm, I'm your, I'm, I'm your, I'm your ultimate challenger. You better be ready to fight. I'm your, I'm your ultimate challenger. You don't wanna Michael Myers, man, when I'm not bashing them seeds over the head with mic stands, I'm chilling on the Infinite Podcast, man. We're chilling. We're doing it right. We're doing it big. And of course, I have to ask about, you know, 
the horror genre aspect to your joints. I mean, I'm a big horror fan. I grew up on Freddy and Jason and Michael Myers, of course, some of the classics. Uh, how did you get into do you I'm, I'm assuming you're obviously a big horror fan, but like, you know, what are some of your favorite movies, characters, and how did you get into incorporating that into your style? It was weird, man, because like when I first started rhyming, I was probably more Chuck D than I am what I am now. But it was something that Scarface said in a record for the ghetto boys called Mind of a Lunatic. Uh, he said, something clicked in my head, visions of bodies in plastic. Just that whole song, it was so visual to me. Yeah. And I was a big slasher film fan at the time anyway, so it just made sense. And then uh, once I, I took on the name Michael Myers, it just it all kind of made sense to kind of incorporate that. But I feel like I'm more probably not more horror than I am suspense. So I'm more Hitchcock than I am right. Michael Myers, but my birth name is Michael and my birthday is Halloween. So it all kind of makes sense. Oh man. See, I didn't know that. I just learned something <laughs> that makes total sense, man. <laughs> right. So that, that was the reason for the name. I didn't always spell it the way I spell it now, but um, it just, the, the Mike Kill just kind of, it, it was dope. I thought the way it looked um, like it definitely stood out like on a record stand and stood out. So that's why I chose Mike Kill, plus it's short for Mike Skills, and you know, just I was to play on words, right. but it was I thought it was dope. It kind of the history of the name and the style behind it. And what's your favorite Hitchcock movie? I mean, Cycle is the obvious one, but I always like North by Northwest. Birds is a classic. Yeah, North by Northwest, Cycle, of course. Uh, Vertigo was dope. Yep. Uh, Family Plot was like surprisingly dope. Like you know, it, it, it didn't. I don't think it's one of his more popular ones, but. If you go back and kind of watch it, you can kind of see right. where a lot of people stole that style from. But I think I think North by Northwest and Vertigo are probably my two best, up right behind Psycho. Yeah, Dial M for Murder is another one I remember. I mean, he has so Dial many. Dial M for Murder is dope. Rear Window. I almost called my second album that. Really? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was going to call it that. I should have. And then, you know, years later, I think Eminem used it. But I was going to do the whole Hitchcock theme. reason why, like, the, the record cover for the second coming was a Hitchcock theme. I was really going to play into that. And so I was going to do a song off of every movie he ever did. Man. And I just decided, and I thought it was like, it was overkill. I just, I just wasn't confident with the idea. So, but I did go with the psycho in the back and the Hitchcock right. remake of a Hitchcock picture. Yeah. And rear window works. I mean, everybody's stuck in their house. We're all looking out the window, trying to see some crazy shit happening. Right. So. <laughs> right. I might have to revisit that idea as we speak. Man. Yeah. Dowling for murder. That's a Hitchcock movie that nobody really talks about. So I think that'd be really cool to do that one. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's weird that people don't really talk about that that movie as much as the others. Talking about, you know, some of the slasher films, obviously you're a fan of Michael Myers, I'd imagine, the Halloween flicks. I love the, not necessarily a remake, but when they brought it back a few years ago and brought back Jamie Lee Curtis, they kind of resurrected that, that original feel for the Halloween franchise. Right, yeah, it was it was, it was was dope, especially the Rob Zombie remakes, remake was really dope, I thought. I actually met Rob. You know, he knew who I was and he knew my name or whatever. And, uh, I had some issues in the past with New Line Cinema with the name as as I started to you know go further in my career. And um, so, but Rob kind of gave me his blessing or whatever because I think I used the I used the Halloween theme music for uh, the intro to one of my records, Charles Joe. Oh, that's cool that he was able to do that. I was going to ask you if you got any uh, any heat from. Obviously, you spelled the name differently, so. It's not like you're taking the name completely, but yeah, I was wondering if you got any heat. Yeah, for that. I think yeah, I've been I've been I've been a couple of times I've been getting letters of cease and desist or whatever, and we kind of figured things out based on um, because of the spelling of my name and um, and things of that nature. So it was like early on it was an issue, and then once I kind of went with the Mike Hill, everything kind of you know kind of fell to the wayside. But 
I did use the sample a couple of times, so that came up, but I, I was able to get it clear, so it was all good. Right. I'm going to play the song later in the podcast, Venus Flytrap. I was watching a video for that, and you got the Lucille bat, so obviously I'm assuming you're a Walking right. Dead fan, and then of course there's a lot of Saw references in there. Talk about that song and that video, and are you a big Walking Dead fan? I'm a geek about Walking Dead. Yes, I w- I'll say this. I, the first four seasons, I was like mad. I was, yeah. I, was, I was addicted like everybody else. I fell off after that, but I've revisited it since. Uh, yeah, I thought it was dope. That whole song kind of came about literally because I was watching Saw and I thought it was dope. I hadn't seen it in a while. The damn movie's really dope. I forgot how dope this movie was. And um, the half part from the Venus Flytrap that I took just kind of resonated to me. And I was like, man, if I can make it to a song, this would be dope. So I kind of went to the lab. I started working on some tracks and that was kind of what I came up with. And then it just it just fit, man. It just kind of worked. And then the video... I definitely wanted to make play homage to the reference that I used. Right. So it just it just made sense to do it the way I did it. So it kind of worked out. And then another joint from the album Focus, which that one is uh, featured on, is Viruses, which we'll also play in the podcast, which is, you know, for what's going on now, a song called Viruses makes sense. Uh, talk about that right, song, too, right. man. A lot of cool scratches on that one also. Yeah, it, it was uh, a song I did, you know, a year before the whole COVID thing came up. But I actually wrote that song when I was in Munich. I was in on tour. I think I was on the train or something, and I saw this dude coughing. And it made me think of that movie Outbreak. You might have saw uh, the, the first one, the first dude with COVID. <laughs> right? So. So um, I saw it. I thought it'd be dope for me to use that reference as a, you know, kind of a metaphor. I got this track from Ill Mind. And it was just like literally like a couple months before he won that Grammy for the joint he did with Drake. And um, he sent me like a whole bunch of beats and I, that one kind of resonated to me. And um, I kind of finished the song Viruses to it and uh, we shot the video. And then literally like a year to the date that it came out, the COVID thing happened. <laughs> so yeah. it got it got new life just based off of people making searches for different music that had virus in it. So um, shout out to the people looking for virus songs. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to play a couple of interviews from two actors from The Walking Dead, Joshua Michael and Vincent M. Ward. Let's kick it off with Joshua Michael first. Here we talk about uh, just him being on the show and playing that character, Jared as I always called him, the savior you love to hate. A lot of fun talking to him. He does a lot of impressions, and uh, he got me to do a little bit of Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger impression here. So a lot of fun talking to Joshua Michael, talking about The Walking Dead. So go ahead, check it out. The Halloween edition, H2O, of the Infinite Banter podcast. Here's Joshua Michael from The Walking Dead. <laughs> You're probably a German meth head. You could just say Arnold was your inspiration. That's how you got your practice. Arnold, <laughs> yeah, dog. Dog, I need, I need, I need the smack. I need you to hit me up with it. Come on, tie me off, tie me off. Put it in me. I need the good, good. I need that black honey <laughs> or whatever. Do you want to buy this TV for two dollars? Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, yours is really good. I, I used to do it. It's been a while because he hasn't had a movie in a while that's got me excited. So yeah, <laughs> I haven't had a reason what to do you... an Arnold impression in a long time. <laughs> there was that zombie movie that I, I, I haven't seen yet. Uh, I, I just saw it on a Pluto TV. Uh, Maggie, yeah. it's called. Which Maggie? Pr- yeah, it's like Maggie. Wait, it's well, not that Maggie, not the Walking Dead Maggie, a different one. Right. It's okay. It's he plays like a guy on a farm, and it just doesn't doesn't fit Arnold. I want him to you know take an AK and just destroy a bunch of zombies, and the whole time right. he's just trying to soothe his his daughter who's on the the verge of becoming a zombie. So it's eh, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, 
yeah, you're equipped with this this weapon of destruction, and you and the whole time you're just uh, yeah, I was just waiting for him to yell. Like, what are you gonna turn into a zombie already? I'll, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll kill everything. And then he could communicate. <laughs> and he could communicate with the zombie because they both had that same. <laughs> they talk the same. So oh, totally, exactly. <laughs> that, that's actually that's really good. It tastes like the same never, language. Never really thought of it. No. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> like all the zombies are just doing their best Arnold. They just get stuck on this, right. like, this loop of like doing Arnold impersonations. Yeah. Speaking of Arnold, I saw you were in Terminator. Did you have any yeah. running with him? Did you work with him at all? Or I did. Uh, that I wish I could have that one back. Um, I, you know, it's it's crazy when you get on set with those sorts of dudes, and I just the the whole that whole experience was surreal and weird. Um, I, I can imagine. Yeah, so I got I got booked as a local in Louisiana, and they were like, I got a call before I sh- shot. So I put myself on tape for this role, Angry Driver, and my line is, hey, asshole, get off the road, or whatever. And, um, and I'm saying that to the Terminator, and so I was like stoked. And then they call me a couple weeks before, and they're like, hey, Josh, can you come down for a t- – or can you come in for a t- table read? It, we we booked you as a local and we'd like you at the table read. I'm like, ah, shit, I'm living in Atlanta. So I drove, you know, the six and a half hours down to New Orleans for this table read, which was surreal. Um, it was really cool because like JK Simmons and Amelia Clark and Jason Clark and, um, Arnold, obviously. Um, and then, uh, Alan who directed the film all in the room. And I got to do, I don't know if you're, you've seen that movie, but they do like a, yeah, a throwback to, to the Bill Paxton punks. There's a couple of like kind of throwback stuff to previous um, to previous Terminators, right? And they do a, a gutter punk scene, and I got to read those parts because the guys who had been booked for the gutter punks didn't <laughs> didn't. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, they they weren't able to come to the table read. So, anyways, that that was cool. But then, so I drove back that night because I had to work the next day, and then I then later they have my shoot date on, and I and I drive down, and it gets rained out. I'm, I'm waiting like three days. Oh. I hit have a costume fitting on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday comes around and they're like, uh, we're going to try it Tuesday. And I'm putting myself up this entire time in this hotel in New Orleans. So at least it's New Orleans. It could be a worse city than New Orleans, I guess. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It it was right across from the Harris Casino. So, you know, I went and lost 50 bucks. Oh, great. You're trying to get your hotel money back and it didn't work out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But it it was a, it it was a cool experience. And so anyways, I show up on set and my, my line is to Arnold, but the whole thing is like blue screen because he's looking up at this while I'm saying it, you know, he's stopped traffic to, to look up at this, um, you know, junction of interstate. And, and that whole thing is, was previs or whatever, CGI'd and, um, and so I, I just said that line over and over and over again to Arnold while they're trying to get the, the shot they want. And I'm buried in the background, like in the, in the film, you can't even see me. Like I'm blurry and you could, I can get out, I get out of the car, but I, you know, I, they kept my, my line of dialogue in. So I thankfully get residuals on the thing. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you get the cool yeah. title, angry car driver, right? Yeah. Yeah. Angry driver. Yeah. Hey asshole, get off the road. <laughs> What are you doing here? <laughs> well, the, no, well, no. His his line his line in reply is bite me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gotta hey, watch asshole, it again. Get off the road. Bite me. And I was like, yeah, all right, all and right. Just dude. over and over again. <laughs> Not yeah. as classic as his other lines, but it works. <laughs> exactly. We were talking about how zombies kind of sound like Arnold. You actually played a Walker on The Walking Dead before you ever played Jared. You were a Walker. What is that? Season two? Yeah, yeah. Season two finale, where when the uh, the Walkers 
break the fence into the barn. I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was a walker on that that day. That was a that was a cool experience. If I go back and watch, will I see you? Will I be able to tell which one's you, or is it kind of in a yeah, herd? Yeah, you can. Uh-huh. No, you you can. I uh, I'm so I knew where the camera was placed, and so we bust through this fence, and there's this high angle shot as we're busting through the fence, and I made sure to look up like my my zombie, you know, or my walker. Uh, my walker just had like a, a severe crick in its neck and it was just like constantly looking up, you know. So I I wanted to make sure that I made it on screen and, and I did. Um, but then when I did, I, I was fortunate enough when my character died on um, Walking Dead that they had me on Talking Dead and uh, they dug up some photos from that day. And there was some stuff I hadn't seen yet. Um, and Greg Nicotero touched it all up so, because, you know, he wanted them to look as best they could right. for the show. So that was really cool. How was the whole makeup experience getting it put on and everything? Um, on that particular day, it was wild because they have, you know, they're a well-oiled machine. So it's an assembly line that you have one person, you know, you get in costume and then you have one person do the base coat, kind of like lighten your skin up um, to look dead and, you know, lacking blood, lacking fluids. And then they have someone come in and sink your cheeks. And then they have someone doing your doing the, the dirt on your hands and nails. And uh, then they the, the last stage is splattering you with blood. You know, that whole process, the day I was there, they probably had 300 extras. And that whole process for me from start to finish was probably 10 minutes. You know, you go through that assembly line and, and get the clothes. Once you're changed, it's like 10 minutes of makeup. It's like nothing. So it's not as elaborate as some of the other walkers who get more screen time. And No, those guys, so they, they call those the hero walkers, and those folks show up, you know, the shoot say the shoots at you know eight eight a.m. They'll show up at three thirty four and spend four hours in the makeup chair getting that getting those heavy prosthetics and they they tend to use those those featured extras over and over again. So my buddy Coleman he would get those those featured those hero walkers um, pretty often and uh, it, it's because he had he he's super skinny and and is really um, flexible so he can he can look a, a number of different ways that they would need him, And so, yeah, I never heard he of hero walkers. That's pretty cool. I liked, <laughs> I never yeah, thought of them as yeah, heroes, you know, but right. Yeah. They're, you know, it's the ones that are featured prominently in the screen or, you know, if, if there's a, a scene where a particular Walker is uh, alone, um, those will be the hero walkers. And, and yeah, they, those folks, they're, they're, um, they tend to come back. They, they use them over and over again because they have certain body types that, you know, make the makeup look great. So he can't go on a binge and start eating a lot because then he won't be, <laughs> he won't be able to be that walker anymore. He's got to stay Honestly, skinny. I, I, oh man, I, it, it would be a cold day in hell. It, it, I mean, I feel like Col- Coleman could, he could eat, uh, you know, uh, entire buffet tables and, and not gain. A Always pound. one of those. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it just, yeah. Skinny dude. And then you go from there after a couple of years and you get yeah. the role for Jared. Was there anything you would audition for between time or was Jared the next thing you ended up doing? No, Walking Dead wise, that is. Yeah, I, I from season two, I don't think I had gotten an audition in season two, but season three rolled around and I, I started auditioning and it would be, you know, one off kind of characters, the folks that get shot in the face with an arrow or hilltop, you know, member that gets eaten by Walker or whatever the shit. And then the roles would, were starting to kind of get a little bit bigger and I was reading for more substantial stuff. Um, but I, I read for Walking Dead, I looked it up not too long ago and I think I think I found 17 auditions that I had had for, for Walking Dead wow. before I booked Jared. And one of those was um, all in that same universe. So they had the folks reading for Richard, Gavin, 
Jared, um, and a couple others all at the same time. So um, I read for all those roles. And we're introduced to Jared right off the bat, and it's hard to like Jared. And kudos to you, because oh, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's how good your acting was. You're able to make us hate this guy so much right off the bat. Yeah. You know, free shots hitting Richard, and uh, you know, right away, like, okay, I can't wait for this guy to die. But <laughs> yeah, I was I was thrilled that people. Uh, People felt one way or another about about my character. I was stoked. The death scene for Jared was really brutal. I mean, you know, up against the fence and, you know, Morgan's just kind of watching him, you know, get devoured. Talk about that day and what it was like filming that scene and, and, and the makeup on that one, too, because you get your cheek bit or something, right? So there's a walker chewing on you. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this cat, Kirk, Kirk Riley, uh, who who was one of those one of those hero walkers, he's the dude who who bites down on my face, but, um, yeah, it, it was an, an amazing day. It was, it was two days. We shot, um, that, that scene in two days, but it was such a cool experience. Cause you know, I had always said I either want to die by Jerry's ax, Shiva, or, um, and I always felt the way to go would be Morgan. Cause I just pissed him off so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, it just, it was a really lovely uh, it was a lovely time shooting that stuff, and, and it was my first scene getting to work with Andy. So I, I, um, that was really fortunate to have to be able to work with a guy who, you know, was responsible for that show being what it is, right? Um, and so, so much responsible for what what that show is. And I, that was my tenth episode, and I, I was fortunate enough to come back for an eleventh where I haunt, haunt Morgan, um, but I didn't know that was going to happen. So I was, you know, I was treating it, I was saying my goodbyes. And, um, I was able to, you know, the after 10 episodes, you tend to develop a friendship with a lot of folks and, and you know, really love the, the crew and, and the cast and everybody that you're working with. And it was such an amazing experience, kind of one of those validating career points. So it, it was emotional. So like, I, you know, I we're, we're shooting that final bit where I'm getting my face not off. And I was actually I was emotional, you know, <laughs> like like I was, I was right. able to tap into to emotion that I felt was sincere that, that paralleled Jared's experience, obviously, because he's dying and very afraid. Um, but I was, I was also, you know, I was tearing up and emotional because I was leaving the show. And so it was very easy to tap into that, that emotion there. How soon in and advance then, do you know that you're going to be off the show? Do they warn you? I'm, I'm guessing they do, obviously, but do they tell you like a couple of days in advance? You're like, okay, I got to prepare for this now. Or is it usually like sudden, you know? Yeah. They, we talk about it because Scott is great about, well, Scott and the showrunners, they, they call a lot of times Scott Gimp or, or Angela will will call and be like, "Hey, thank you for your work on the show, you know." Uh, but unfortunately, your your time on the show is coming to an end, and they're they're kind enough to do that. But we always joked like, if we ever see any any California numbers that we don't recognize, just send it straight to voicemail, and <laughs> right. and maybe and maybe Scott won't, you know, you, he'll he'll stay your time on the show, right? Um, but yeah, he he called. I, I got a call from from a Los Angeles number. I don't think I answered it the first time or, you know, he left a message. Hey, Hey Josh, it's Scott. Can you call me back? Uh, and I'm like, Oh, here it comes. Yeah. Uh, but I was, you know, it's eight, it was episode eight fourteen, So I was like really hoping I'd make season nine, but getting close. That wasn't the case. Yeah. I got really close. And, and honestly, I felt like my character, his time had come. I'd pissed so many people off and not really done anything effective uh, in terms of helping the saviors. I was just a, a thorn in people's side. So um, I was amazed I made it that long. But it, yeah, Scott was lovely about it and everybody was, you know. And I love the uh, the haunted uh, scene, you know, where you're coming back and Morgan's looking at you and you're actually kind of funny in it. You're not just, you know, some woo ghost, you know, of uh, Morgan's yeah. past. You're actually making a couple jokes at him and you got kind of this sense of humor about what happened? Yeah, I, I was hoping that would carry on too because I I loved that dynamic. 
um, where Morgan is just like shitting his pants and uh, and being able to being able to just kind of you know I'm dead, so everything's kind of ridiculous to me at that point. So I yeah I had a I had a blast doing that, and that that was part of Greg Nicotero's direction because he he uh, referenced a bit from American Werewolf in Paris for that. And he, he was like, do you, you know this scene? And I hadn't seen American Werewolf in Paris. But um, there's this bit where I guess the lead is visited by one of his victims in the hospital. I think I think that's the storyline. But, yeah, it's kind of he's kind of jovial and kind of ridiculous. Um, but but like bleeding from his face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's what it's really all about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the, the Jared character, I mean, even though he's a very unlikable guy, there are little hints of comedy, like even the free shots and he punches Richard. It's actually kind of like a, it's kind of a funny scene in a way. I mean, he's punching a guy, but the way you interpret it, I thought there was like a little bit of humor in it that didn't make him 100% an asshole, but definitely was hard to like him. <laughs> yeah, I, I always feel like it's that's harder to take too a lot of times. It's like straight up villains, like the terrible dudes, those that that's the you know that that's that's there's a place for that but um when you're these like minions i i like bringing some comedy to it you know some self-awareness right <laughs> or not self-aware you know and it, and it's like harder to take that that way it's like this guy's where this is life or death and um this guy's making a joke of it hey this is josh michael of walking dead fame you don't know who i am you're listening to infinite banter all right, up next, another actor from The Walking Dead, Vincent M. Ward. He played Oscar during season three, one of the inmates that they found at the prison when Rick and the gang went in there for shelter. Had a blast talking to him. Really enjoyed my time with Vincent M. Ward, and he's really a good follower. You should follow him on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. But here we talk about his time on The Walking Dead and how it you know, worked into his real life, how things that on The Walking Dead actually reminded of things that happened to him in his everyday life. So really good talking to him here. Check this one out listen to vincent m ward talk about his time on the walking dead here on the infinite banter podcast the h2o halloween edition how you been man talk about uh your time on the walking dead of course a lot of people listening they know i talk about the walking dead on here uh what was it like playing oscar how'd you first get that role well honestly um i had auditioned for a different a different role it was it was a part called mouse and, it was, and you're a big guy, though. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> Mouse. And then the first day when we got to the set, you know, with me and the other uh, prisoners, we were introducing ourselves to each other. And Big Tiny was like, yeah, I'm playing the character Mouse. I'm like, what? I said, wait a minute. I'm playing the character Mouse. <laughs> and so then finally somebody came in and gave us our real character names. Gotcha. So That wouldn't I, have fit you, I don't think. Mouse. <laughs> You know, they always try to give big guys little names. That's true. That's true. Big And Big Tiny was bigger than me. So I'm 6'4", uh, 255. This dude was like 6'8", 315. Right. So compared so, to him, your mouth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably heard the news, too, that Walking Dead is going to be ending. They've actually come up with uh, an end for season 11. They're going to stop the series. Yeah, any thoughts on that? And do you still watch the show? Um, I saw something about that today, but you know, who knows? You, you never know, you know, they might come up with something else. I know they was talking about doing a couple movies, but then it was canceled because of the pandemic. Um, as far as me watching it, I haven't, I haven't been watching it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch it before I was on the show. Oh, you didn't watch it at all before you got on there. No, I didn't know anything about it, but then I was still, you know, I was, I was grateful 
to be on it once, you know, the buzz came out, was really coming out. Because if you think about it, the first and second season, it was just like hush, hush, starting to come around and whatnot. And then the third season, I was like, you know, when I came in, I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. You know, but like I said, I'm grateful for being a part of, of as people would say, history. Right, right, without a doubt. And they said they'll have a couple spinoff shows, and one of them where they might bring back, like, old characters, new characters. Maybe we get an Oscar flashback, that like a one-shot. Nah, if, if, I, if it was an Oscar or something, let Oscar just come back. <laughs> he didn't die. <laughs> hey, he just got a flesh wound on that bus or whatever. You know, spoiler for those who didn't yeah. see <laughs> He's still I, around. I think, enough, I think he did enough not just, you know, to get more than a flashback. But, hey, if it's a flashback, then it's a flashback. Yeah, I think that'd be yeah. cool to see. Even, like, just, like, uh, the day before they got into the prison, like what you guys are doing, playing gin rummy or whatever was going on in that room, you know. Or, or see what happened, how all those people died. Right, yeah, when they're dragging them out of the cells. Yeah, so that would I, be something. I, I would like to see that but then they would have to build all that stuff back too you know because that prison was built you know a lot of people think that was a real prison but no they did such an awesome job every day i was going around like knocking on stuff like damn this is not real (laughs) wow so right just like like you said they destroyed most of it if not all of it so i'm guessing they can't just go back there and refilm it hey man it's a it's a it's a lot of money involved in that show (laughs) That, that them rebuilding that wouldn't be nothing and talk about, um, as a fan, when I was watching, I was like, man, Oscar, I'm, I'm really liking this character. And I was kind of sad to see you didn't get to stick around as long as some of the other ones. How does that work when they when you find out? I had Joshua Michael on here who was on uh, season seven and eight. And they, I guess they call you or they tell you what, what your character is going to happen and how your character dies. How did that work out for you? Well, actually, they, they, they kind of tell you when you sign your contract. Okay. You know, you're going to maybe do seven, eight episodes. The only thing you do is hope that you end up doing more, you know. <laughs> right. And once I once I started being with uh, Rick and the crew, I actually thought I was going to be around a little longer. So, yeah. you know, everybody's phone call, everybody, the way that they tell you is a little different, you know. And that scene that's really memorable, of course, is the uh, I never pleaded for my life. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that, did you have any input on that line or was that? Strictly, no, that was the lines. That was the lines. Okay, that was just the lines. But the thing about it is that that really happened to me before. Oh, wow, twice. Oh, man, twice. Uh, somebody pulled a gun out on me, and it's not like I I live that type of life. You know, the first one, the first one was a guy that I went to high school with. What we had graduated from high school, and he was younger than me. and at that time, he had got into that life of, you know, drug dealing and all that. So he was pretty big. He was, You know, he had money. And what happened was I saw him walking down the street, and I hadn't seen him since we graduated. And uh, I pulled over, and I gave him a ride, and I called him Nino Brown. Now, if anybody <laughs> Nino, Nino Brown is from New Jack City. Yeah. CMB. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said, Nino, I said, Nino Brown, what you doing walking? He said, man, come on, give me a ride. So I, he get in the car, and we're talking, and he brings up old stuff about high school. And he said, remember when y'all used to tease me when we was in high school? I was like, man, everybody used to crack on, on each other. Yeah. I said, everybody used to crack on each other. And he used to look like a broke-down puff daddy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but he looked exactly like him. And, I was, and he was like, yeah, we laughed. And then all of a sudden, he pulls the gun out, and he says, tease me now. 
Wow. And I was like, I said, bro, I said, we was young. Everybody was cracking on each other. And he just sat there and he didn't say anything. And I, and it's like I wasn't scared, but it was just like, I felt like, how dare you pull a gun out on me on something that was happening in the high school? And he told me to pull over. And he's like, before he got out, he said, I just want to let you know who's the man now. Wow. And he got out. And probably by a year later, he uh, ended up going to jail. But he's out now. Jeez. And another time, you ever heard of, you heard of White Castles? Oh, of course. Yeah. I try not to eat it too much because I don't like to live in the bathroom. But Oh, man, I love White Castles. Every time I go home, I got to go make sure my stomach. (laughs) We were sitting in White Castle, me, two two of my buddies, and these two girls walked past. And we didn't say anything to them. They came back out the bathroom. They went to the bathroom, came back out, and was like, which one of y'all called me a bitch? It's like, what? Right. Like, didn't they say nothing to y'all? They left. It's like, we got something for you. They left, came out, came back with this guy. And he's like, which one of y'all called my woman a bitch? And she, he's like, who said it? She's like, the one with the red shirt. Uh-oh. So we all looked at our shirts, and I had the red shirt. <laughs> oh, <on>. man. <laughs> and, you know, he clocked the, clocked the gun. Everybody in White Castles was looking. And he said, you better be glad all these people in here or else I'll shoot your ass dead. Wow. And he left out. So. Uh, lesson there. You go to White Castle. Be careful. <laughs> right. It's not just your bowels you got to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So when you're doing that scene with Oscar, that's not method acting. It no, took you to man. that place. Right. But you know what, man? For me, Oscar really... There's really no separation between Vincent and Oscar. Okay. The difference is uh, Vincent is free and likes his freedom. <laughs> and Oscar, the stuff that Oscar believed in is the same stuff that I believe in. You know, there's nothing I wouldn't do for my family. I'm not going to go to jail for him. But, you know, that was really me just being me. You know, some of the lines that, you know, I threw in every, you know, here and there to, to Axel. That was just me being me. Right. Like when he told Stephen, uh, he's like, thanks, bro. When Stephen gave us some supplies, when oh, they yeah. locked us oh, in yeah. the game. And when I was like, thanks, bro. Really? <laughs> that was me. <laughs> You're clowning him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, how dare you? This dude locking us, out in the, locking us in the gate outside in the hot weather. And you thanking him. So, right, because yeah. he also had that part where he was talking about uh, tuning up Daryl's bike, and Oscar kind of looked at him like, come Grow on, man, balls. stop. <laughs> yeah, grow some balls. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like you in here. <laughs> they still look yeah, at us as prisoners. The whole butt kissing thing, I ain't with that, man. No. <laughs> we knew that right from the jump with that whole I don't plead for my life thing. We knew right off, right away that Oscar is not here to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and you know, shout out to Lou Temple, Axel. He's the one who shot, who taught me how to do the, the gun flip when I was about to shoot. Oh. Rick, make this sweet. He's like, why don't you do a gun flip? I was like, what's a gun flip? And he showed me, and I did it on the first tape. I did it on the second tape. I was like, please, Lord, do not let me drop this man's gun, or they're going to fire me right uh... here. <laughs> and obviously no problems. <laughs> right. I was so nervous about that one, though. I could imagine. You can still do it. Do you ever you have like a toy gun or something in the house you mess around with and still? I, no, no, I haven't, man. I haven't did it since since then. Now I'm gonna go find one and try to do it. I mess around. <laughs> Although we have it on film. <laughs> we have it on film. So anybody who doesn't think he can do it, it's right there on tape. Vincent Ward flipping the gun in his hand. He can easily do it anytime. <laughs> right. 
you ever do uh, the Walking Dead conventions or any of that kind of stuff? Do you ever have interaction with fans? Oh, yeah. It's a, it, man. I remember when I first started doing it. And they, 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 you know, pretty much told me, like, this is what you do. This is what's going to happen. I'm like, what? People do what? I couldn't believe it, man. <laughs> Could not believe that people are that, go in there and, and, and pay people for, for autographs. Yeah. And, I was like, for my picture? No way. <laughs> No way. But I remember growing up, I, I was pretty much a basketball star. And I remember I used to always practice my autograph, not because of acting, because I never thought about being an actor. I always thought about because of basketball. Right. And for me to like be signing people's autographs, it's just, you know, I felt, I felt to this day, I still feel like, sorry about that. That's the NBA calling. They want you to play center tonight for uh, the Clippers. There it is. There it is. Oh. Get the Clippers. I've been through the game so the Lakers can win. Uh, <laughs> there it is. But 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 I still feel honored and and blessed and you know that people will want to take you know autographs or, or pictures with me. I still can't believe it because I'm just like man, I'm just Vincent from Dayton, Ohio. Right. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your man Vincent M. Ward, aka Oscar from the number one show, The Walking Dead, and I'm here with my man Mark from Infinite Banter. Y'all better stay tuned. Peace. Last but definitely not least is Tommy McLaughlin, the director of Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. And uh, yeah, I was just really geeked to have him on because of all the Friday the 13th movies, Part 6 might be my favorite. It's definitely an underrated flick. I don't think people talk about it enough and give it the credit that it deserves. So it was a real great honor to have him on here and talking about how he got involved with the movie and the franchise and how things have changed for him since then and how he's still involved with all the Jason stuff and... He's definitely a fan. Here he talks about how he got started with the project and how he was incorporating comedy and horror together. And it was a tricky balance, but I think he did a great job with it. So here he talks about working on the project and how he got into it and how it turned out. And working, like I said, just working the comedy in there was, it's not easy to do. It's very hard to do comedy and then do horror at the same time and not come off cheesy or corny. I think he pulled it off really well. So here we go. Tommy McLaughlin on the Infinite Banter podcast. And all these, these clips I'm playing, full episodes are there on all digital platforms. Please go back and listen to the full interviews these are just five to ten minute segments with the halloween vibe just to do this episode but definitely go back and check those out i really appreciate if you do and let me know what you think of them but here we go here's tommy mclaughlin friday 13th part six director on the infinite banter podcast h2o the halloween edition when you directed jason lives friday 13th part six since jason is a murderous mime in a sense did did that help your mime background help you uh direct such a uh, cult figure when I when I kind of went into the feature film world, um, I really was very obsessed with doing, you know, visual films, you know, movies where it wasn't so much about what was said. It was about what was not said. Uh, eventually even made a movie called The Unsaid uh, <laughs> with Andy Garcia. Right. But uh, this this thing with the, with the, obviously with Jason was, you know, trying to find moments of expression, you know, with a character that doesn't doesn't speak some of it is just the way he you know reacts to something um the slowness of of his head moving up or tilting to the side trying to understand something or the speed of which you know he goes after certain things and other things that where he he walks more in a kind of a stalking fashion so you know all all of that was part of a you know kind of knowing physical training and understanding 
you know, how to communicate with it. And there's that really cool scene when he uh, <laughs> confronting the paintballers. The scene has him holding the, the machete and you pan down and then there's the full arm and he's kind of looking at it like, eh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny moment. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I need this, but I don't need this attached to it. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing I like about, and I, I love uh, Jason Liz, by the way, it's one of my favorite in the series. I love how you balanced comedy and horror at the same time. It's it's not easy to do that. How difficult was that for you? Well, the most difficult thing was to you know convince them that I could do this because at that point no one had sort of made a satire of the horror movies at the same time of making one. Um, you know there'd been you know examples and certain things that were more comedy than horror, uh, but had horror elements to it. But I really wanted to still make you know a monster movie. You know, making Jason into an unstoppable you know force with the lightning bolt and things and yet have the characters have a kind of a sense of humor and irreverence about the whole thing you know like you know i've seen enough horror movies to know anybody wearing a mask is never friendly i mean you know things like that that sort of you know were in jokes to a horror audience and as long as i didn't make fun of jason which i had no intention of you know the producers were fine with it and i was given a lot of creative freedom on that uh which is what the other thing that was so great is they just trusted that you know i knew what i was doing and they wanted you know they wanted something unique with the series uh well they always do you know the one has to be somehow a little more special than the last one so i was given as as i said a lot of a lot of freedom to be able to just try some stuff and also just trying to come up with kills that could be funny on one hand you know like smashing that guy that you know gets his arm torn off we just talked about you know into a into a tree that had a happy face on it oh, right. you know <laughs> so just trying to you know put the jokes in there or the or the fact that she kills the uh, elizabeth and the puddle uh and and you see the american express card that slowly. scene is great <laughs> that, that i and, just watched uh, it the other day yeah. and i couldn't stop laughing with that when she tries to pay jason like like money's gonna you know stop everything <laughs> exactly yeah i mean but it, you know in a in, in a normal being held up you know, you think some, what, what somebody wants is your money, you know, because it's the old money of your life, you know. But in Jason's case, it's just your life, you know, forget about the money. <laughs> and then the American Express card floating was obviously, you know, to be able to get at that time was such a popular commercial. Don't leave home without it. And there would always be somebody in the theater that would yell that out, you know, which got <laughs> another laugh, which is what I was hoping would happen. One of my favorite comedic moments, too, is very, very beginning when Tommy's trying to light the match and it starts raining and he's just like, uh, yeah. he's still trying, you know, instead of trying to run away or find a weapon or something, he's, he's giving it his all to get that thing lit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's funny because recently I saw a screening of it and it's amazing how it still works um, as a, as a film. I think definitely, the humor definitely. helps a lot. Um, but the, uh, the biggest laugh in the whole movie was something that was just a kind of a quick throwaway thing where one of the little girls is asleep in the bed and there's a you know copy of no exit the book on her you know that she had fallen asleep to and i was just looking for something for her you know to, you know to have in her hands when she was asleep and i just kind of grabbed that off the shelf that was there with the props and that gets the biggest laugh you know which surprises me you know, still to this day but you know just anybody that knows the book and you know and a child reading it and then of course obviously you know <laughs> the situation that oh they're for in, sure <laughs> it all kind of you know put together a, a, a very very comic moment how well familiar were you with the franchise when you first got hired to do part six not very at all i had seen the first one which i liked very much you know the original friday the 13th which wasn't even jason and then to be honest i had not seen all the other ones and part of that was 
I don't want to say arrogance on my part, but if you were a filmmaker in, in Los Angeles and you're trying to make you know, a horror movie, I was interested in making much more gothic horror movies because right. the slasher thing was just took off. And you know, you could get a deal pretty much anywhere in town if you had a, a script that had somebody with their face covered and you know, knives or some weapon of, of some sort and you know, a forest or, or some isolated area, desert, something. And girls, you know, to kill. And I just kind of didn't want to do that. I really, you know, I kind of grew up on the, the Hammer horror movies from England and the Edgar Allan Poe movies that Roger Corman did. And right. just, you know, the more kind of classic, uh, The Innocents, uh, the Deborah Carr movie, you know, and and The Haunting. You know, I, I very much love that part of the genre. So when the offer came, it was like, God, I was all set to do a comedy Um this thing called date with an angel which was the movie i did after friday right um and so my mind was very much in that in that mode but you know i i said well if i can put humor into it and you know and i love horror so let me see if i can kind of make a gothic horror movie within the you know the franchise of a friday the 13th so i sat there at paramount in the screening room and watched all of them back to back you know so i got a sense of everything that has come before and sort of you know looked at the ones that i thought worked um you know i thought that in part four was very good you know the the final chapter um i thought that was well directed and things and then there was things and other ones that i thought okay well that's an interesting kill can i do something different from that so it was you know basically like you know <laughs> studying for an exam and then you got to see if you pass <laughs> So I, you know, I kind of went into it that way. But since that time, I've become, you know, very much a, you know, Friday fan, and and you know, I just am so enamored by the, the the fandom with the series and how it keeps growing every year. And now not having, you know, Friday for the, the last ten years, I mean, there really is this savage desire to find if you're not going to make them we're going to make them ourselves and so there's all these fan films that are coming up you know which i think is so cool that you know i don't think that's happened before in any genre a horror genre uh, it, or any anything where you say fine studio's not going to do it we'll, we'll do it i said i was going to play a couple of halloween themed songs within the podcast you heard michael myers earlier i got two produced by my man dj real one shout out to him Man, big up, man. What's our real one? This right here, the first one I'm going to play is Bars Are Crazy, featuring Confucius and Ramsey's Ali. All have been on the show before, so shout out to the Bar Gods, New Jersey, and my man Real One, of course. This is one of my favorite joints that they've ever collaborated on. I remember when Real One first played this for me, I'm like, dude, this is some straight Halloween shit. Big time. I love it. So here we go. Bars Are Crazy, Confucius and Ramsey's Ali, produced by the one and only DJ Real One, here on the Halloween edition, H2O, of the Infinite Banter Podcast. Psycho bitch. You really are crazy. It's about to get scary like a horror flick. Open auditions. Who want parts of this? Best believe it ain't nothing to get out of goon. We 730. Panic room. Yeah. These bars are crazy. These bars are crazy. These bars are crazy. We all so crazy. Disrespect and I ain't trying to shake hands Rather make you face plant like you trying to break dance In a quick flip turn one to eight grand Sporadically put something together like I made plans I'm a mechanic throwing punches like Rocky Four, And I'm always in the hood like a poppy store Pull out an ordinary gun and they running shook Rap extraordinary, this one for the books Lock down the spot till it's full of cars Spit as soon as I see you, pull up bars Act 
Hopped up, put hands on you, no back rubs You get no salute, this the new wave flash floods The wifey disloyal, you missed the point She gave me head and tail, flip a coin Stand close to the edge and get an instant push Pulp Fiction cleanup man, Winston Wolf It's about to get scary like a horror flick Open auditions, who want parts of this? Best believe it ain't nothing to get out of goon We 7.30, panic room, yeah These bars are crazy These bars are crazy yeah. These bars are crazy We all so crazy These people came to see me, they hate you here I gotta raise a right, then I take off facial hair Quick jabble, shit bag him, half kids laughing If he ain't passing, we sack him, McNair McNab him Your life? We gon' put a dub on it Steal your car, park it, and put a club on it I'm killing it hard, is you feeling the guard? Watch me bang the screw like I'm still in your car I construct bars, you need a hard hat To see where I'm going with these lines, you need a bar map Get shots all around the city, check your bar map Steal your car, what you still in it? That's a car jack Newark niggas known for that Give me them keys with a melody My niggas black over keys, that's melanin Over white, we black over keys Duke Ellington, well done Cook the beef, beef Wellington It's about to get scary like a horror flick Open auditions, who want parts of this? Best believe it ain't nothing to get out of goon We 7.30, panic room, yeah These bars are crazy These bars are crazy Crazy, man. Crazy. You know what? When you said that last time, I was kind of tripping, right? But now... Yo, it's Confucius. Ramses Ali. And we the bar guys. And right now we tune into Infinite Banter. DJ Soundwave, Shada and Jay. Let's go. As I said earlier, I want to talk about a couple of horror flicks. Back when I had Alaska and Zillaraka on a couple episodes back, we were talking about films that we felt like scared us and such. And Alaska had brought up this movie called Terrifier, and I'd never seen it, wasn't aware of it. And uh, let me tell you right now, it is exactly like the title it is. It's terrifying, scary as fuck. <laughs> if you like slasher flicks, then you will like this movie. If you hate clowns and mimes like I do, you will definitely be scared by it and definitely uh, bothered. It is a very disturbing movie. And I even watched the other one, All Hallows' Eve, which is the prequel to it, but I watched it after. Because after he told me about watching Terrifier, he said, go check out Tubi. Tubi is like Pluto TV. It's spelled T-U-B-I. It's a free platform. You can watch like movies and stuff. So I went on there. It's like 90 minutes long. That's fine. That's usually the the running time for these type of flicks. So I turned it on. It was like really late at night. It was right before, you know, going to sleep. And I don't recommend watching it before you go to sleep. But I'll be honest with you. I don't know when you're supposed to watch it. I mean, you're supposed to watch it at one in the afternoon. I mean, I can't because I'm too busy trying to watch Judge Mathis. I got to see who's going to pay that $30. You know, is that roommate going to pay it or or the other roommates or so whatever. I mean, I, I put it on at like, and it was like midnight. And, you know, of course, it's, you know, creepy as fuck. And I'm watching this thing definitely check it out. I I recommend it. And then there's also All Hallows Eve. And that one was pretty creepy too. A lot of little segments in it. It wasn't just like one continuous story. The ending is just on all levels messed up. I mean, it's just crazy what they do. I don't want to spoil anything in case you guys are planning on watching it. They're both on that Tubi app. So definitely go check them out. There is one cool scene in All Hallows Eve that I really liked. 
the one girl's trying to get away. She's in like in a barn or something. And this dude is so relentless, this clown guy. I think his name's Art the Clown. He goes underneath the ground to come up and get her. Like, he can't get through the door. So you see his hand coming out of the dirt inside the barn. It's just scary as fuck. <laughs> just crazy, crazy flick, man. Definitely go check them both out. But Terrifier is definitely the better of the two. And uh, if you like scary stuff, this is right up your alley. Slasher flick, just hardcore. Go check it out. It's like a haunted house meets a slasher flick meets clown movies. It's it's just crazy. Uh, shout out to Alaska for telling me about it. I was way behind. You know, now that I have a kid, I just don't get to watch as many movies and TV shows as I used to. So I'm way behind on stuff. Anybody has any suggestions of something I need to watch, definitely throw them my way. I'm trying my best to try to watch these things when she's asleep and I'm awake at 12 o'clock at night trying to stay awake to watch these scary-ass movies before I go to bed and give myself nightmares. And speaking of nightmares, so my wife has never seen any Freddy movies. She don't know who Freddy is. I mean, she's aware there's a, there's a guy that's in pop culture, but she doesn't know anything about him. She's never seen a Nightmare on Elm Street. So I'm like, you know what? Let's watch a Nightmare on Elm Street. I haven't seen it in years. I think you would like this. It's not too scary. I don't think it's going to give you nightmares as the movie is. I love the movie. It's one of my favorites, but I have to pick on it a little bit. It's definitely dated. You know, there's definitely some stuff in there that's not timeless. The first thing I'll say right off the bat is Home Alone ripped off A Nightmare on Elm Street. They totally stole this movie because the end of it, Nancy's in there. She's doing booby traps. And by the way, she's never done a booby trap in her life. She said she, she's going to go to sleep for 20 minutes. So in 20 minutes, hasn't slept for a week. She's putting up like these elaborate traps for this guy and she's doing it all on no sleep and just from reading a book. I guess that's how you do things in the 80s. There's no YouTube. So I guess she was able to figure it out quicker than, you know, people like us now who don't want to read a book to figure it out. But Home Alone totally ripped this off. The only thing missing was Micro Machines. I mean, she had everything ready for this dude, the big sledgehammer coming down, fire, you know, all of it. So she was on her game. Uh, you know, I thought it was a little unrealistic. You know, all of a sudden she's drinking coffee, can barely stay awake, but she's got time to put a sledgehammer on the ceiling to come down and hit this dude in the gut. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's just crazy. Another thing about that movie is they all play like 15, 16 year olds, but they look like they're 38. Like it just threw me off. I was like, I couldn't. I, I kept thinking to myself, like, there's no way these these are teenagers. I know that happens all the time. It was more drastic to me how different the age was. Like Tina, the first girl, gets killed. By the way, spoiler: you never seen Nightmare on Elm Street. I can't. I'm talking about a movie from like 30 something years ago. If you haven't seen it, too bad. You, you're getting spoiled here. Tina, the first girl that dies, when they do the news report about her, they said they called her 15. I'm like, wow, she's 15 years old. She looks like she was 38. She's like having sex and stuff. Like, man, when I was 15, I was buying baseball cards. Like, I just I couldn't relate to any of it in, in that regard. And I'm just like, dude, she is supposed to be 15. Like, she looks like she's in college, man. Okay. And uh, and then of course the boyfriend who they they think killed her. You know, he's running around, the cops catch him, and, you know, of course, they treat him really nice because, you know, it's good to be a white guy when the cops are chasing you. Yeah, that movie, uh, it's still a good movie. It holds up, of course. Freddy's great. He's iconic. But there's some scenes in there that just, you know, the mom is terrible. She's probably the worst mom of all time. The entire movie, she's smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee, getting boozed up while Nancy's, like, having these nightmares, and she's just, like, sipping on vodka, like, oh, uh, go get some sleep, you know, and she's just down in a whole bottle of vodka. And then the crazy thing is, the mom had the, the, the hand with the knives in the cellar. Like, why is she hanging on to this shit? She's like some sort of crazy super fan or something. Why is she hanging on to these, these relics? And then when Nancy brought the hat out, 
The mom kept the hat. She had it like in the kitchen drawer. She's hiding it. Like all she needed was a sweater. Was she trying to recreate Freddy? Was she gonna like have all of his his uh, his relics, all his stuff out, and try to sell them on eBay or something? Like why is she keeping everything? It was just crazy to me. Like the, the mom is the worst. All she did was put on some bars on the windows and then just drank some some Jack Daniels and just smoking cigarettes to no end. And of course the dad, played by John Saxon, rest in peace. But he's terrible as a dad and a cop. And he was like this in Black Christmas. He was a bad cop in that too. But the whole time, he's just like, he doesn't believe anything. He's too busy. He, he can't come over. You know, I don't know. I have a daughter now. I'm just guessing if she was telling me she had all these crazy dreams and stuff. I think I'd care a little bit more than just being like, oh, he just, just gets a rest. Uh. Yeah, that, that's not how I would end it, the discussion about it. It's like, all right, let me, let's see what's going on with you. He didn't seem to care. Obviously, the mom was a problem. That's why he's never there. I'm assuming they're divorced. They never talk about why they're not together, but... I assume they're separated or something. So uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, I know it sounded a lot of negative stuff, but I love that movie. It's just there's a lot of things about it that just you watch and you're like, wow, this is crazy. This is Home Alone. You totally ripped off Nightmare on Elm Street. I never thought of it until today. You ripped off that movie. Make sure you check out my friends at the Bloody Babbles podcast. Hey there, friends. Interested in another podcast to listen to between episodes? Well, you're in luck. Come check out Bloody Babble's podcast. We are a gaggle of babblers who talk of true crime and other gory wonderment. New episodes are released every Tuesday, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are streamed. Happy babbling, my friends. Internationally known to Romeo Zone. This is your boy, Music G. This is your man, Mr. Hooper, repping the 916. And we're about to draw Jack on this show with DJ Soundwave. Infinite banter. Bantering on to the break of dawn. Bong. Time for you to leave, assholes. All right, that's it. Kirk Acevedo said it's time to go, so that is exactly what I'm going to do. But before I go, I have one last thing I wanted to talk about. I said at the beginning, I had an election parallel that I wanted to do real quick. Anybody listening, you already know I'm a Walking Dead fan. I love the comic book. I love the show, everything about it. I still watch it. I know a lot of people hate on it, and I know it's not as good as it once was, but I still watch it. I still watch Fear. <laughs> I don't know why, but I still do. Um, I don't really watch World Beyond. I, I'm not really into that. But anyway, I'm a fan of the show. So with the election going on, and we still don't know who won yet, we have a pretty good idea, but whatever. I'm trying not to get into it too much because I don't want people to turn it off. You know, everybody who listens to the podcast on a regular basis, they know where I'm, whose side I'm on here and what I'm rooting for. But let's just get beyond that. Let's just get to what I'm trying to say with the parallel. When I'm watching it, you know, they talk about all the past, the victory, like, you know, so-and-so wins this state, he's going to win it. So-and-so wins this state, he's going to win it. And the more and more it's looking as time goes on, as the days go on, as the votes get counted, the path to victory for Donald Trump, thankfully, is narrowing. So I kept thinking of the scene, and anybody here has seen season six finale of The Walking Dead. That's the introduction of Negan. And in that last episode, Rick and the gang are in the RV, and they're trying to find different paths to get to the hilltop. So think of a hilltop as like 270. Think of hilltop as the presidency. And every time they try to go down a path, they're blocked. Something is stopping them. Okay, we can't go that way. So as I'm watching these, these election results, I keep thinking like, wow, every time they say this state is going to Joe Biden, that's another path to victory that the orange clown can't get. So it's another road. You know, like, let's go down this road. Oh, he can't get Georgia now. Oh, he can't get Pennsylvania now. Oh, I don't look like he's going to get Arizona now. So that's what it looks like. I, and I kept thinking of it because I'm a Walking Dead fan. I can't help it. I kept thinking of The Walking Dead 
Like, okay, Trump is the RV with Rick and the gang. The only problem with this is that I'm rooting for Rick and the gang. I'm not rooting for Trump. But anyway, for the parallel here, for the example, it works. And he can't get down the right path. Every time he goes down a path, it's blocked by Negan, a.k.a. Joe Biden. <laughs> so Joe Biden, I guess, has the bat wrapped in barbed wire, and he's about to take out Trump. I could see Joe standing with the bat. I will shut that shit down. No exceptions. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. So there we go. That's my parallel to election. It's very Walking Dead-ish. Uh, <laughs> that's this is my horror version of the election. Uh, me doing Count Floyd. Ah ah ah. Very scary. Shout out to Joe Flaherty and Count Floyd. But um, I don't know why I just did that. One of my favorite shows as a kid. SCTV. Uh, one last parallel. Also, it seems like when it's all over and the dust settles and we know who the winner is going to be, uh, Donald Trump the orange clown, he's not going to want to leave. He's going to kick and scream his way out of the White House. So I posted it on uh, social media. You could check it out. I really think it's going to be a lot like Hannibal Lecter. They're going to have to wrap that dude up in that suit with the face thing and put him on the carts and strap him up and take him out of there because he's not going to leave. This is not going to be a peaceful transition. This dude is not going to leave. I kept thinking of Hannibal Lecter this morning when I woke up and I'm seeing the results. I'm like, this dude is not going to leave. He's just going to be a really hard dude to extract out of that house. So envision him as Hannibal Lecter. People out there with Photoshop, you know, skills, take that picture and put, you know, put that orange-headed clown on the top of it and take off uh, my man. <laughs> take off my man who played Hannibal Lecter. So anyway, that's it. That's the podcast. Big up to everybody who's been listening. Shout out to Joshua Michael, Vincent M. Ward, Michael Myers, Tommy McLaughlin for coming on the show originally and allowing me to play segments from their past time on here and playing songs from Michael Myers. Go check out his 20th anniversary remix album of It's Been a Long Time Coming. Go to Bandcamp. You can find it there. Check out my man DJ Real One on Bandcamp, Drake Hobbs, Channel 7, Confucius, Ramses Ali. Find all their music on all digital platforms. Support real music. Support that hip-hop. And we're going to leave you with one last Halloween-themed song. This right here is another DJ Real One classic, Grime Time, with Drake Cobbs and Channel 7. We'll leave you with that. Give you that Halloween vibe one more time, because that song is grimy. It's called Grime Time. I tried to make this show grimy. I don't know if I succeeded. But happy Halloween, belated, to everybody out there. H2O. And I appreciate everybody who's been listening and supporting the show. Find it on all digital platforms. You know, Podchaser, Podknife, Spotify, you know, all the places you find podcasts. The show is there. Follow me on Twitter, at Infinite Banter Podcast. Same for Facebook. Same for Instagram. Go on YouTube. Type in Infinite Banter. This is me typing. Put in Infinite Banter. You'll find clips from past episodes, links for the show that the clip is from, and more. So I appreciate everybody has been listening. Rate the show. Review it. Hit me back. Let me know what you think. Shout out to Tracy and Rudy and everybody has been listening. I know you guys are out there. Thank you so much. So here we go. Grime Time. DJ Real One. Drake Cobbs. Channel 7. To finish off the show, you can find this song, Grime Time, on DJ Real One's album, Trocar Alley, on Bandcamp, and Bars Are Crazy from his album, Lost Gems. Once again, Michael Myers. 20th anniversary remix album of It's Been a Long Time Coming. Those three songs you heard in this show, those are the albums you can find them on. Go support their music. Go support those artists. So that's it. I'm out of here. The Halloween special special edition of the Infinite Banter Podcast, H2O. Thank you for checking out the show. And until I do another one, I'm out. Hey, asshole, get off the road. Get, 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 get
Cause I spawn the ops like Kareem with the sky hook shot I'm supposed to aim for the top spot When I grab the pen, it's like a jump shot You feed the shooter when he hot I give you actual thought My flow is like when coke hits the pot It come out that crack Give me the mic, I'm laying niggas flat You don't wanna go face to face with the Mac Trust me, my nigga, ain't nobody realer That's why I link with DJ Real One He the illest Ain't nobody fucking with me in Channel 7, my nigga We'll go toe to toe with any one of you niggas Real One, Channel 7, and Drake Cobbs Form like Voltron I never wanted to play the bond I'd rather be Megatron And try to take over the world Or on a beach somewhere Taking the top off the girl, nigga It's my world Side time, even when we grind, we shine You can get hit at the drop of a dime I'ma keep going no matter how far the climb It's my time, it's my time Time. Even when we grind, we shine. You can get hit at the drop of a dime. I'ma keep going no matter how far the climb. My time, my time, grind time. He's a pistol, baby. He's pissed and angry. You think he was pissed, boy? So pistol crazy. Probably draw the conclusion that help he may need. Especially by the way he keep a closet full of camo. All he reads is guns and ammo. And research websites and specialize in shrapnel. Mom's fucked that hoe. Pops got shot, cops found, she set him up. She writes kites nightly, he ripped them letters up. On his homemade range, he takes aim at seven ups. Got a couple of homies, one or two bitches, uh. Couple of bullies, they all on his hit list. Kept a craving contained till his homie told him hit this. Now he hear whispers, all he see is sixes. Feels his pops pain and the rage of his killer. So it's back to the closet with the camel wrap, the camouflage flannel. Get every gun in the damn den, clear the panel. It's our time, even when we grind, we shine. You can get hit at the drop of a dime. I'ma keep going no matter how far I climb. It's my time, it's my time. It's our time, even when we grind, we shine. You can get hit at the drop, get shot. I'ma keep going no matter how far the climb. It's my time, my time, grind time. Being on the infinite banner with my man Mark has been a pleasure.